And once again, we're with our favorite child psychologist, Katiana Asman, asking, have we broken our child? So, Katiana, what does that question mean to you? Have you heard it before from your clients? I mean, not exactly that word particularly, but it usually refers to, have I caused irreparable damage to my child's emotional and physical and developmental well-being, right? Mm. But, you know, with regards to whether I've heard it, it's actually probably the most common question that I hear when parents come in to see me with their child presenting with some type of concern. Parents are often concerned that they're the reason behind why it's happened, right? So, especially parents who have kids who are coming in with, for example, developmental delays like autism, for example. Mm. Um, parents are asking, did I do something to do this? Did I, did I um, you know, do something wrong in my pregnancy? You know, a child or a teenager with a mood disorder, parents are mm. asking, did I not talk to them enough? Did I do something wrong? Did they overhear the arguments with, you know, my partner? Mm. So, I think, you know, when I hear that question, it's what comes back to me is when parents are concerned that they've done something that has caused the difficulties or the challenges that the child is going through. Mm. What types of instances can break our child? Now, you've mentioned Mm. a few that parents would be worried about, but what sort of things really are the things that do irreparable damage? Well, you see, the thing is, and this is probably the main thing I love about children is that they're immensely resilient, right? So oftentimes it actually isn't something that we can actually put our finger on, Mm. right? So certain things that we as adults might go, oh my gosh, that would really sort of traumatize me. I've seen some kids walk away with without any, you know, second thought towards what happened, right? Mm -hmm. But ultimately, you know, what what research has shown is any type of emotional, physical abuse or neglect is something that would cause very significant damage, if you will, or Mm -hmm. significant sort of issues towards the child. That's kind of what research has told us. So anything that kind of changes their daily dynamic or the dynamic of their life Mm -hmm. has the capacity to impact them in a negative way. But to what degree really depends on the child themselves and sort of the life experience. One of the uh, main examples that we actually use is there's a lot of research now going into sort of the prevalence rates of mood disorders in the refugee community, in the community of individuals who are escaping war-torn areas. You know, the preliminary findings were that the rates were a lot lower than what was expected, almost lower than certain developed countries. And so the question Mm. was, these people have gone through significant significant struggle, significant sort of um, suffering. How is it that they're not presenting with more issues than what you would see in, you know, in sort of like developing cities and countries? Mm -hmm. And the hypothesis is that the level of suffering that they're exposed to daily creates almost a type of tolerance, if you will. Like they're numb? Almost, yeah. And almost kind of like, you know, it takes a lot to get a certain level because they're constantly surrounded by suffering and pain and struggle. Mm -hmm. So those children are, you know, often reacting a lot lot less to triggers versus, you know, some other children. So there are factors like your environment, um, your personality that can impact whether or not a child responds to a particular stressor. Right. right. So, so we, that means I, every kid has a little they have a breaking point in a way? Yeah, I think every individual does, right? So everyone, regardless of whether, you know, we're dealing with a child or an adult, will have a tolerance level or a breaking point, as you Mm -hmm. call it. But what that breaking point looks like is the really sort of like tricky bit to determine. All right, now, Katiana, you touched on this a bit earlier and we also talked about breaking points. Sometimes when we, parents, we reach a little bit of a breaking point as well. We lose our Mm. cool either with our spouse or with our own kids and we Mm. raise our voice. That does have adverse effects on our kids, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I talk a lot about with parents. So let's kind of like take a minute to go through that later. All right, that's next. For us as adults, we sometimes scream and shout at our spouse or, or somebody else, not realizing that our child is, you know, 
know, in the next room listening, in the car with us, listening to sort of every word. How does this impact our child? Well, the first main thing is that it's teaching our child about communication, right? It's teaching, so the type of interactions you have, um, whether with your partner or with the people sort of in your life, and even with them, teaches them or introduces them to what types of communication is acceptable, right? So that's why a lot of parents who have quite sort of tumultuous relationships with their partners will often have kids who tend to talk back, who tend to scream, who tend to, because they're replicating what they see. So. Mm. Just straight off the bat, the types of you know confrontations that you have around your child, and and, and I can understand that you can't often um, hide it from them. Kids have really big ears, even if they're in the next yes. room, they still, you know they um, do. Especially if the they, word chocolate is mentioned, but carry on. <laughs> somehow it's just like a, like heat sicking yeah. missile. They can figure it out. Mm. You know the thing is like it's impossible. I feel to completely bubble wrap your child when it comes to things like that. So the first thing I tell parents is you know it's gonna happen, but be mindful of what you're trying to communicate with your partner um, if it's getting to a point where it's becoming very physical or very aggressive those are the types of things you really need to make sure your child is not exposed to because again it is teaching your child what is healthy communication mm. right what so you know a, a very sort of aggressive confrontation if done often enough your child will feel is normal right is a healthy way of right. parents communicating with each other um, and then there's of course throwback or follow up um, implications of that when they have adult relationships later on so that's sort of the first thing sort of the impact on what they learn with regards to communication mm. um, but secondly also if we're looking at sort of the emotional development kids come into the world thinking that mom and dad are like the center of the universe right yeah. um, they rely on you 100%. So when parents are having a bit of a rough time and they're arguing with each other, it's sort of like a program that they can't really understand because these are the two people that they refer or they, they look up to the most. Mm. And when there's fighting or when, you know, there's some type of dissolution of the marriage, I've got some kids I'm working with who due to the divorce, there's parental alienation where they don't right. see one parent that can have really major effects on their development and sort of their emotional growth as well. Because so my, my world is falling apart, basically. My world is falling apart, literally, right? Mm. Again, some kids will take to that a little bit better than others. Mm. And that's because moms and dads have made an effort to kind of make the transition very seamless or as seamless as possible. But any child who's in the middle of a conflict doesn't tend to kind of respond very well. Right Now, earlier... Katiana, you, you mentioned we can't bubble wrap our kids from all this, right? So okay. that's actually very poignant because when we fall, we try not to fall again because it hurts, right? Yeah. So it's a learning experience. So do we learn how to balance ourselves and whatnot? So by shielding our kids mm. from these painful experiences, are we doing more harm than good sometimes? Mm. So this is a very controversial question that I often get asked. And I've kind of also been had negative comments about it. So let's kind of talk about it a little bit more later. Awesome. Now, some might feel that we are raising snowflakes if we don't let them experience the types of pain that I believe are synonymous with growing up. Mm. How true is this statement in your opinion? Mm, I would say probably about 50-50, right? And reason being is because on the one hand, we do need to shelter our children from a lot of the harsh realities of life because their brains are doing still a lot of this growing. And as a byproduct of this growing and development, they might not be yet capable of processing a lot of the complex human emotions that come with adulthood, right? So that's why things like parental separation and divorce is so complicated for kids. Because even though we as adults go, well, yeah, you know, marriage didn't work out. We go our separate ways. To kids, it's like, wait, wait a minute. You know, like, I, wait, you know, like you're my mom and dad, but you guys are not together. Like, 
how does that work? And so, you know, it's a, it's a very complicated process for them. So on the one hand, we want to keep them protected for as long as the brain is still doing that growing, Mm -hmm. because we want them to be able to deal with it and not have these hugely negative consequences. But at the same time, the brain learns through experience, Mm -hmm. right? So the more we shelter our children, the more we protect them from things, the less that they learn from the world around them. So that's kind of where the snowflake terminology, or I believe someone said to me the other day, also called the strawberry generation. Right. I haven't heard that. Yeah. Ah, easily bruised. bruised, Right. Yeah. So we see adults in their sort of 20s and 30s and 40s Mm. having to experience difficulties for the first time and not having the tools or the coping skills on how to deal with them. What happens if in situations where Mm. it's a horrible relationship that a child's Mm. witnessed and the problem is, is that the child has completely lost the trust? Yeah. So why would they even bother going to speak to an adult where they are actually feeling unsafe and they don't trust them. And you don't even necessarily, as the parent, realize or recognize that Mm. there's a huge bit of damage being done. You know, and that's the thing. Like a lot of parents will say to me, why does my child feel comfortable talking to someone else? And this is where it starts, right? Mm. Your child is going to, by default, want to come to you most of the time. But if you're not able to or not willing to, they are going to try to find it somewhere else in the best case scenario or in the worst case scenario, feel that their voice or their thoughts thoughts don't matter at all. And there are massive consequences for both of those things. So, you know, I I think that teaching our kids to be open with how they feel and being able to identify the emotions and sort of put words to their emotions and sort of understand where things are coming from is a skill that I can't stress enough with parents, regardless of whether you are currently in a conflict situation, whether you have left that situation. Like we've talked about earlier, it is impossible to predict how any individual responds to any type of negativity. Mm. The only way to determine it is if people start talking. So if you close that door to your kids, you're never going to know how they're processing something and you're never going to see a negative outcome when it's coming towards you. So I'm always, I tell parents, for as long as your child is talking, I'm happy. The minute your child stops talking, and so this is more relevant, especially Mm. with children who are self-harming and things like that. If your child is coming to you telling you, I want to do this, I feel like hurting myself, as terrifying as that is for a parent to hear, I tell my parents all the time, we are in a good spot for as long as they're talking about it. The Mm. minute they go silent is when we worry. So definitely keep your kids talking. All right, so we covered a lot of bases here, but let's focus on the yelling and screaming. In some cases, in Asian culture, unfortunately, caning mm-hmm. as well. Yes. It's emotionally scarring for kids. So unless something is done about it, will it get much, much worse? The short answer is yes, right? But the long answer, we can cover like in the next segment, I think, because I'm going to blabber on about this for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, ultimately, wherever you come from on this sort of spectrum of so-called damage level, Mm. All right. Speaking Mm. as a parent, I'm saying that sort of tongue in cheek, but also emotionally invested in what you're going to say next. (laughs) Can we undo the damage caused by the emotional trauma experienced by our child? Yes, you can. Absolutely. But with intention. Right. So one of the mistakes that I often see is that parents realize what they've done and then they just stop doing it and then just don't talk about it ever again and expect that that would be enough to heal the wounds. Right. Right. So um, I've had teenagers tell me or I've, I've sat in on family uh, family conversations where, you know, moms and dads have said, yeah, I used to do that, but I don't anymore. Why are you talking about it? Right. You know, and so you can 
see that mums and you know these mums and dads have gone through the journey and they've realized oh my gosh this is not something that I should have done but I feel like it goes back to that culture where in Asia we don't apologize to our children enough right yeah. and they can't do that because it's not the right thing to do mm. and so what they choose to do is they just say I'm going to stop it and I'm just going to stop speaking about it and so that is not the right way to deal with it because that's not addressing the situation right so I say is it possible to heal the wounds 100% but with intention right. and what that means is actually working through it right and actually talking to your child getting help that you need if you feel that you have an anger problem or if mm-hmm. you have unresolved issues um you know apologizing wherever necessary but not apologizing just to kind of make someone feel better but actually kind of showing them that you mean it yes. right but yeah so i always you know say to parents if you have an outburst no judgment we all go there even i as i've been a therapist for 9 years and even some days i'm like exhausted and i have a kid who's just you know kind of pulling at my last string right mm. and i find myself a little bit less patient than i probably normally would be right. um but if i do catch myself kind of being a little bit more impatient or mm. making them upset by how i'm acting always go back and be like i'm so sorry that was not you didn't deserve that and i think that's really important to tell the child that it was not their doing or that it was not something they deserve because inevitably children will always start to ask what did i do mm. right yeah. why did mom yell at me was i too naughty a child did i not do this i should have done that and this again goes back to how their brain is working right they don't have the life experience mm. to go well realistically i wasn't there when she showed up angry right so it's not really my fault so you need to be able to explain to kids where that anger came from mm. so that you are teaching them how to be constructive and not just explosive is there a catchphrase or something that you know if you're a parent at a loss or you've heard your child go on about this particular thing mm. so many times that you're having a bad day and you're at your wits end and you're like I really can't handle listening to this again how much mm. of a terrible parent I am how I mm. messed up blah 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 is there a safety catchphrase we can use with our kids mm. that kind of um, sort of infers I'm listening to you I'm hearing you plus giving us a bit of space because I was once told if you kind of repeat and pick up what they're saying in a nondescript mm. way mm. it leads them to feel like okay they're being heard and sort of yes. diffuses it to give you space is that true yes yes so there is a format to it right which i tell parents the first thing is repeat what you see or hear right so the emotion that's coming across connect it to the reasons if you know what they are and establish yourself as being somebody who wants to assist right So the first method is you can ask them to tell you what they need. So I can see that you're really upset and I really don't like seeing you this upset. So how can I help? What do you need from mommy, right? So establish yourself as someone who wants to make them feel better. Ask them what they need and do it, right? It might just be I just need a hug or I just need to vent, right? Go Either. away. Okay, I'll do go that. Go away. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So okay, you know, I can see you need some space, so I'm going to go and start get started on dinner and then I'll pop back in with you in a little while right mm. so that like you said shows your child oh one they're listening to they respect me right if your child is having a huge emotional outburst and telling you what they need is not doable right they're just really really upset you can give them options because you're helping them narrow their focus of overwhelmingness that's not a word but yeah so example i can see that you're really really upset about this and i really want to help you feel better so i'm going to give you a couple of options and you let mommy know which one you want to do okay so option 1 is mommy's going to go get started on dinner and i'll come back in half an hour and we can chat about it 
option two, we can just watch the movies right now and kind of let it slide and figure out how you feel later. Or option three, I can sit here and we can talk about it now, right? Three things, I try not to do more than three because they'll get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Three things that you can do. Don't offer them options you're never going to follow through on. Right. And whatever they decide, you do it because this not only teaches them that or communicates to them that you are listening to their emotions, you're mm. wanting to help, you're also giving them the illusion of control because you're letting mm. them choose the outcome. Though you decided the options, but they actually feel I can control this situation. I'm going to pick something, right? Yeah. So these are some techniques that I teach parents when they come and see me, but it's really important to follow that three portions sort of method. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge what you see or hear with regards to their emotions. Acknowledge if you know the reason why, mm-hmm. link it to that and establish yourself as, a, as wanting to help them and wanting to make them feel better. I love that.